0: This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast.
1: We are your study buddies for neonatology topics.
0: I'm Dr. Ben Korsha.
1: And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbeau.
0: Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Neonatology Review Podcast. It is Friday. This is our last day talking about MFM this month. Daphna, Shh. what do you have for us today?
1: Um, today I have the effects of maternal medications on the fetus. Oh boy, this can be a this can be a tough section to get through. So, so I actually think having this in podcast form and just being able to play play it on repeat is potentially quite valuable because some mm-hmm. of these you just have to. You just have to memorize, so right. that's the that the, that's the sad story. Um, should we talk about? We'll, we'll do pulmonary next after this.
0: Sure. Well, you're the boss. You're the editor in chief. Yeah. So you pulmonary, say pulmonary.
1: Pulmonary next. Give Give people plenty of time to replay the pulmonary section.
0: That's right.
1: Okay. So I think the most important thing, uh, one of the most important things to note about this. Uh, Um, medications during pregnancy is the FDA labeling of medications, so you may or may not know that this has changed. Um, They removed the pregnancy letter categories A, B, C, D, and X um, because, well, they were kind of confusing to understand. Um, So the purpose of the change is really to assist healthcare providers in weighing the benefit versus the risk of medication. And so a pregnancy risk statement is provided for each drug describing the risk of developmental outcomes based on human data, animal studies, and the pharmacology of the drug. Um, This obviously takes a much more individualized approach uh, to management of diseases uh, during pregnancy. So we should talk about the general effects of drugs and uh, medications by uh, drug type. So these go in alphabetical order, Um, and again, just something to review early on in your studying. Again, somewhere in the middle, this is kind of like one to do over coffee, and then review right before the test again. Um, Some of them will be familiar, and some of them I think will take a little longer to memorize. So I'll start with the ACE inhibitors, angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors, things like captopril and enalapril. The greatest risk of exposures during the second and third trimester, um, they impact uh, the fetal kidney. So they have an increased risk uh, prenatally of oligohydramnios. There's an increased risk postnatally of hypotension and oliguria. Um, if severe, um, they may lead to hypoplasia of the skull, a fetal compression syndrome, Uh, with limb deformations, pulmonary hypoplasia, and renal tubular dysgenesis. The next one we should talk about is alcohol. Um, This uh, is definitely a syndrome to note because it's the most common teratogenic exposure to the fetus, and it leads to development of the fetal alcohol syndrome. The earlier the exposure in utero, the greater likelihood of the classic clinical features um, and The greater effect um, comes with exposure to large amounts, even infrequently, of alcohol use compared with smaller chronic intake.
0: So the French way is still okay. The French way. A a small glass every day.
1: That's right. I don't know about every day, but, you know. (laughs) I'm kidding. The discussion is changing. Around, what you're I think what that, we expect pregnant people to do during pregnancy, but, but
0: binge drinking is definitely no good.
1: Yeah, that's that's a problem. The binge drinking, uh, large amounts of uh, alcohol any one time. Um, fetal alcohol syndrome is the most preventable cause of mental insufficiency, and they have abnormalities in at least three areas: physical growth and neurodevelopment. The facial features are this hallmark, long, smooth philtrum, thin upper lip, short palpebral fissures, emeptosis, strabismus, epicanthal folds, maxillary hypoplasia, short nose, and flat nasal bridge. I think we sometimes forget that this is associated with cardiac anomalies, um, particularly Mm -hmm. the VSD, ASD, and tetralogy of flow. Neurologically, they may have irritability and tremulousness. So I think we see this a lot and we say, what other things were were being taken during pregnancy? But even just alcohol um, can can have babies present with the syndrome of irritability and tremulousness. It's self-limited. It disappears over the course of the first few months but can persist even a few months. Um, They have mental insufficiency with an average IQ of 63 in microcephaly, heterotopias, hyperactivity, fine motor dysfunction with poor hand-eye coordination. They may also show intrauterine growth restriction, short stature, abnormal palmar creases, limited joint mobility, small distal phalanges, small fifth fingernails, and renal abnormalities. I'm going to talk about caffeine. I think people will be pleased about this one. There's no evidence that caffeine is a teratogen in humans. There are some animal studies that find large amounts of caffeine potentiate mutagenic effects of radiation and some chemicals. There's a controversy about if there's an increased risk of spontaneous abortion. So we can stop shaming our colleagues about the caffeine use. So cannabis, more and more um, uh, data is coming out about cannabis use. Studies suggest that there's an association with preterm birth. There's decreased fetal growth, so that's really what we're finding. Growth is really affected. There are worse neurodevelopmental outcomes in offsprings, uh, offspring, though um, the risk has not been totally well defined. Next, I'll talk about carbamazepine, and I think um, it's good to remember that a lot of the anti-epileptic medications have a similar um, clinical features. So when you're studying those, I would try to find out what is different between um, those few medications. So carbamazepine, craniofacial defects, fingernail hypoplasia, and growth restriction. We can see neural tube defects, especially uh, meningomyelocele, and developmental delay. And as is true, again, for a lot of the anti there's a decreased vitamin K placental transfer and increased risk of hemorrhagic disease of the newborn. I'm actually going to take this time to talk about some of the other kind of associated medications. So let's talk about phenitolin, um, facial findings, cleft lip and palate, short nose, depressed nasal bridge, and mild hypertelarism. They have digit and nail hypoplasia. They have intrauterine growth restriction, failure to thrive, mild mental deficiency, wide anterior fontanels, short neck, rib, anomalies. They may also have cardiac defects, pulmonary or aortic stenosis, and ventricular septal defects. They also have decreased vitamin K placental transfer, and thus increase the risk of hemorrh- hemorrhagic disease of the newborn. Let's talk about phenobarbital. Cleft lip and palate, also cardiac abnormalities, increased risk of withdrawal, and like the others, have decreased vitamin K placental transfer, thus increasing the risk of hemorrhagic disease of the newborn. Okay. Uh, cigarette smoking. So another common uh, clinically relevant medication. The effect is related to the number of cigarettes per day. The majority of effects are associated with greater than 10 cigarettes per day. Nicotine increases catecholamines, leading to vasoconstriction in uterine circulation and decreased utero placental blood flow. So we may see clinical features like we see in uh, other forms of chronic utero placental insufficiency. So um, the effect is greater in utero since fetal hemoglobin has a greater affinity for carbon monoxide and carbon monoxide inhibits oxygen delivery to tissues by bonding to hemoglobin. So that's how cigarette smoking exhibits its major effects. The placenta may demonstrate changes. They may see decidual necrosis, microinfarcts, fibrinoid changes, and atrophic villi. So we may see spontaneous abortion, preterm delivery, intrauterine growth restriction or SGA, placental abruption, placental previa, another increased risk of cleft palate. This and then nuts. post, this is, it's, it's really severe. It's really severe.
0: And, and for those of you guys listening in the U.S., like in Europe, this is so prevalent. Like so yeah. many more people smoke. Are that, smoking that, still. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and then postnatally, um, the effects we may see again are, are related to this prenatal finding. So they may have risk of smaller head circumference, decreased cognitive performance, um, lung disease later in life. And I think the important thing to note is that they may still have ongoing secondhand smoke exposure, which will make all of these risks worse: uh, decreased uh, cognitive function, uh, increased risks of asthma, bronchitis, and pneumonia. And certainly an increased risk of sudden infant death syndrome. Mm-hmm. Cocaine is a commonly tested one. So we often see an increased risk of stillbirth, but like we mentioned earlier in the week, it's uh, also related to um, abnormal utero placental insufficiency and placental abruption. One of the buzzwords for cocaine use is cutis aplasia. So cutis aplasia should Ooh. always make you look for something else rule out genetic, uh, rule out prenatal substance use. They can have other neurologic findings like porencephaly. Cocaine is also related with some of the major GI anomalies like ileal atresia. So that's uh, something we will revisit okay. in the GI section. There can be a, a, a range of cardiac anomalies um, and urinary tract abnormalities because, again, abnormal blood flow. Okay.
0: hmm
1: Um, I'm going to talk about DES because they like to test about it, diethyl, stilbestrol, even though we're not using it very much, but because of the historical association. Between 1940 and 1971, approximately two to 10 million pregnant people took DES and the fetuses that are exposed are at risk later in life of a lot of kind of um, gynecological complications vaginal adenocarcinoma, abnormal reproductive organ development, and abnormal uh, male reproductive organ development. So it, it, we see the greatest effect in the, the female fetuses who were affected, but even in the male um, fetuses who uh, were exposed, we see change. Mm-hmm. Um, retinoic acid, uh, another thing that is, uh, we should be avoiding in pregnancy, spontaneous abortion and stillbirths are common. Um, most abnormalities are described with the first trimester exposure. So when people are least likely to know that they are pregnant and maybe, uh, continuing on, like say with their, uh, facial care regimen. So we see a lot of cardiac abnormalities, a range of cardiac abnormalities, transposition of the great arteries, truncus, tetralogy, VSDs, double outlet right ventricle, hypoplastic or interrupted
0: aortic arch. And you're saying that because because uh, retinoc acid is usually used for acne treatment. It's like swan. some of the sort of... Acne
1: treatment, uh, those of us in the older <laughs> group, uh, for wrinkle management. So it's used in a lot of facial products for sure. Right. For okay. sure. And so you may just be using it, and then you know people don't know that they're pregnant, and that's when the abnormalities are more likely. If yeah, I feel like first acne,
0: acne treatment, and and that age group, it's it's primed for for. I mean, I know that when yeah, uh, in Europe, sure. I think they, they they do pregnancy tests. They, they you have to follow routinely yeah. to get pregnancy tests because they cannot allow you to get pregnant while you're on. Yeah. Like, right ra- same
1: here. That yeah. is the the paradigm. So, um uh facial changes they can have microtia or ananosia. um they have stenosis of the external ear canal um they can have displacement anterolateral displacement of hair whirl your hair whirl is the, the yeah. like the little uh patch in the, the very your back back of your head there um hypertelorism may have downslanting palpebral fissures um faces may appear triangular uh, facial nerve palsies, and then um, this is one of the uh, findings where we see hydrocephalus. So that's something to note. Other neurologic findings, cerebellar, hypoplasia, microcephaly, or mental deficiency. They can have thymic or parathyroid abnormalities.
0: Mm-hmm. Lithium
1: is commonly tested because of the association with Epstein's anomaly. Um, and there are case reports of fetal goiter, hypotonia, arrhythmias, seizures, diabetes, insipidus, and preterm birth. Methotrexate, um, commonly used for a variety of things, uh, autoimmune management, uh, um, uh, cancer treatments. Um, and so six to eight weeks after conception is the, cre- the critical po- period for exposure. So when there's most harm to the fetus, again, a cranial dysplasia, broad nasal bridge, low set ears, wide fontanelles, synastosis uh, of some of the sutures, micrognathia, Can have microcephaly, intruding growth restriction, short stature, and syndactyly. The salicylates, so our uh, aspirins, aspirins exactly. So uh, picking pain control um, for like MSK problems during pregnancy is is also complicated. Um, but the biggest risks are um, this intrauterine closure of the PDA presenting in clinically significant pulmonary hypertension after delivery, and there's also possible risk of thrombocytopenia and bleeding. The tetracyclines can cause um, yellow brown discoloration of the deciduous teeth and can be deposited into fetal long bone, weakening the bones. The linamine, again we don't see very often, but because of the historical um, context There was an epidemic of thalidomide induced deformities between 1959 and 1962 when it was commonly used as a sedative. And the findings in thalidomide are uh, phocomelia, radius, ulna, and humerus may be hypoplastic or absent, may have rudimentary or malformed hands, may have polydactyly or syndactyly, may, the lower limbs may have malformations, um, they have. It may have midline facial hemangioma, depressed, depressed nasal bridge, microtia, um, and warfarin. So fetal effects if exposure between 6 to 12 weeks uh, gestation with risk of this uh, kind of fetal warfarin syndrome. Um, so if, if exposed between 6 and 12 weeks, <coughs> they have almost 25% uh, risk of, of having these fetal effects. And if there's exposure following the twelfth week, there's a decrease in the risk of fetal effects.
0: Um, That makes no sense. Why? Uh, No, no. I I mean, I'm not arguing the fact. I'm just saying, like, um, that that the risk could 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 be less. Fine, but like the fact that it decreased. I mean, yeah. I guess it's decreased from so. You you mean decreased from like twenty five percent?
1: Well, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. But Meaning? I mean, I think during the first trimester, I think it's more confusing when there are more fetal effects later, right? Because so right. much of our development is happening in the first, in the first trimester. trimester. So, Fair makes...
0: enough. Fair enough.
1: Um, they can have nasal hypoplasia, depressed nasal bridge, uh, sorry, depressed nasal bridge, often with this deep groove between the nasal ala and the nasal tip. So kind of right at the,
0: yeah. right before your, your little nose bump. As if they had like a rhinoplasty or something.
1: Yeah, something like that. Um, they can have severe mental deficiencies, seizures, microcephaly, andor hydrocephalus. And one of the buzzwords is this stippled Stipled bone epiphysis. So that is definitely something to note. They may also be growth restricted, have nail hypoplasia, and upper airway obstruction. Interestingly. Right. So while warfarin does cross the placenta, heparin does not cross the placenta and thus does not lead to teratogenic effects. And that's why we predominantly use heparin in pregnancy. I'm gonna I have to go back to valproic acid. I somehow missed it in my other uh discussion about um... And
0: so the the stipled uh oh. bone epiphysis that we talked yes. about. So basically it's like at the edge of the bones uh-huh. they have they have these these basically the edge of the bone is abnormal it has like these little like cloudy appearance. Outs, yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah.
1: Okay. yeah like a like you took a like a hole puncher
0: yeah exactly the exactly
1: edges. that's yeah. exactly right yeah um so valproic acid one of the other anti-epileptics, so has uh, some similar crossover but uh, a little distinct than the other um antiepileptics, they can have a narrow bifrontal diameter, high forehead, epicanthal folds, long philtrum, small mouth, may or may not have a buff lip, also associated with cardiac findings, long, thin fingers and toes, and these hyperconvex fingernails. Um, neural tube defects are common. Uh it's seen in one percent of affected fetuses exposed in the first trimester. Um, especially meningomyelocele. They may have developmental delay or mental deficiency, mm-hmm. and it can be associated um, with uh, hypospadias. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's all I was going to talk about um, in in regards to um, drugs yeah, that was, that was uh, per se. Um, obviously, there is sometimes some testing on the neonatal abstinence syndrome or NOWS, neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome, which is the new uh, way we are discussing it. Um, The incidence is about 20 per 1,000 live births. Um, I think that most of us are familiar with the withdrawal syndrome um, and the symptoms that we see, but I think that you should know that the test is moving uh, towards some of these adjuncts to therapy. What can we do in addition to Morphine as part of the management, and that 40% can be treated with supported care, uh, supportive care. So, some of these non pharmacological things um, and these non pharmacologic uh, techniques um, to mitigate um, the neonatal abstinence syndrome. I will also mention environmental toxins, so, lead. Uh, During pregnancy has been shown, uh, has been associated with an increased risk of spontaneous abortion, preterm delivery, and neurologic problems in children who have been exposed. Radiation, these are changing also. Irradiation less than five uh, rad has minimal fetal effect. The threshold is probably greater than 15 to 20 rad. I think that's less important than knowing the clinical features. Microcephaly is the most common finding associated with prenatal radiation exposure. We see growth restriction and mental uh, deficiency. Other possible effects include abnormal genitalia, microphthalmia, and cataracts. Mm. Very interesting. Arsenic exposure, also associated with spontaneous abortion and low birth weight. Carbon monoxide uh, exposure, low birth weight and uh, fetal death. Methyl mercury, um, which is found in these large fish, uh, is a neurotoxin that crosses the placenta and can have adverse fetal Virologic actually, I, I
0: reported a case report of a, a, a person who, I think where they came from, I forget which country, it's actually known that you could inject mercury in your vein as a form of suicide attempt. Oh. And and the baby had speckles of mercury on chest x-ray. Oh. Uh that's and it terrifying. was terrifying. Terrifying. It was a fascinating case report. And I'm just talking about it because I know it eventually got published. I forget in which journal. Um, but yeah, something that definitely oh, you have crossed. so many,
1: you have so many case report publications you don't even you can't even keep track
0: of them. The reason was it was impossible to get this through to publication. And eventually I think it made it to like some open access, some open access where I'm not even sure if we didn't have to pay to get it published or something like that. So it's actually the opposite of the glamorous.
1: <laughs> well, we've all been there. We've all been yeah. there.
0: First-year residence stuff.
1: Um, Okay. The other kind of – the other alcohols, ethylene oxides, benzenes, formaldehyde, all increase the risk of spontaneous abortion. All
0: right, And we're over time. Let's go. Let's do the question.
1: Okay. I do have a question. Hold on. I told you to be paying attention to this. Uh, Maternal-fetal medicine question two. A neonate presents with depressed nasal bridge, nail hypoplasia, seizures, and stippled bone epiphyses. These findings are most likely a result from intrauterine exposure to A, lithium, B, phenobarbital, C, salicylate, D, tetracycline, or E,
0: warfarin. That's right. Warfarin. The whole punch of Coumadin.
1: Okay. I can buy that. I don't know. Maybe somebody will
0: remember that. All right, Daphna, that was fun. I'll see you for okay. Pulmonary Stuff and I'll see you for Journal Club and all that good stuff on the main incubator channel. Thank you everybody for listening and we will see you later. Thanks, good, buddy. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to NICUpodcasts at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at Podcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.